0: Father as we come before you this morning we, Father we just praise you we bless your holy name Father we acknowledge you as creator Father as our sustainer and provision Father we acknowledge you as our salvation Father we praise you for who you are and for the things that you do Father, I just pray that uh, you would give me a divine ability to this morning to uh, clearly communicate the things that you've been working out in me this past week. Father, that you would remove the distractions that uh, normally come at this time of year. and Father, uh, we know that sometimes this can be a difficult time of year for folks, and I just ask that you would uh, provide comfort and peace to those who need it. Father, I also lift up Morris Bean at this time, who's uh, preaching in Wolf City. Father, I just ask that you have prepared that people for your word and that you will give Morris uh, the divine ability to uh, clearly communicate your truths to them. And Father, that uh, your truth will um, change them, make them different tomorrow than they are today. Now, Father, we offer up this time. To you in worship and in praise. Father, we love you so much and we thank you for the many blessings that you bestow upon us. But Father, most of all, we thank you for your Son, Christ Jesus, and it's in his name we pray, amen. <clears throat> Several weeks ago, I was asked to preach in Ben's absence this morning, and uh, man, as I started that preparation, I have to tell you that. Golly, I felt really ill-equipped for preaching in the shadow of Ben's series in John, which has led us to Leviticus and and Hebrews. I felt like that anything that I preached this morning would be a snack, you know, in comparison to the feast that Ben has been um, serving up to us. And uh, I I really wanted to provide more nourishment to the body than that this morning. I, I wasn't quite sure where I should start but for some reason I was drawn to Luke chapter 1 and I guess it was in light of the fact that it's Christmas time is upon us here and and I wanted to go back there and I started thinking about my Christmases past and uh, about this upcoming Christmas and in the midst of all the holiday gatherings and the decorations and the shopping for gifts and the things that just seem to consume us at this time of the year I started focusing on the things that I used to look forward to at Christmas time and the things that I look forward to now at Christmas time and then I started to consider what is it that I should be looking forward to at Christmas time as as a kid the things I look forward to every Christmas were so much different than the things that I look forward to today I um, Man, I, I used to be so eager to hear the first Christmas carols and songs on the radio and walking through the stores, and now the 4th of July you walk through and they're already playing Frosty the Snowman and stuff. I mean, it's just, it, it, it's changed. I look forward to the gifts and the things. And as, as I've become an adult, I've noted that the things that I look forward to at Christmas time are so very much different than when I was a child. I've also noticed that the older that I get the more and more troubled I become by the way the world treats the holiday season. And at the same time that I was wrestling with these thoughts, my Sunday school class was digging into Romans chapter 1 and, and I started wondering if we as Christians have traded the truth about God for a lie and the things that we look towards at Christmas time. And if we've started serving the creature rather than the creator during this time of year. And it was this troubling thought that was just eating away at me that led me to Luke chapter 1. I wanted to see what the Word said about what someone else was looking forward to in the Christmas story. I wanted to see if what he was looking to is what we should be looking to. So as Christmas approaches, I wanted to take us on a journey and look at the prophecy of Zechariah, but as I started looking at this prophecy I started becoming very concerned that it just didn't preach it was a really scary thought I knew that I could share some interesting historical facts and maybe some academic notes uh, on the prophecy and that I could probably preach on the symptoms of our trading the truth for a lie but I didn't think that the prophecy really preached that it didn't preach to the heart As Ben has been talking about the last several weeks, that troubled me. But it was during Ben's sermon last week that God revealed to me that I was missing the boat completely. I was missing the boat first by looking at the whole of the prophecy. And then all of a sudden, he slapped me upside the head and he reminded me that if there was a problem with the preaching, it was me, it wasn't his word. He reminded me that I might not be able to preach, but that his word always delivered, it always preached. So in that, he began to give me hope for some kind of meaningful message this morning, and he started to affirm in me the reason why he had me in this prophecy and why, by his design, this prophecy would end up falling to this particular Sunday right after the word that he had given Ben last week. It started to change me. It started to start welling in me and growing in me. And it it changed my focus from this whole of the prophecy on the message for this morning. It steered me away from that hole and it helped me zero in on two little verses in the prophecy. In light of Ben's message last week, these two verses would hopefully preach. So... I beg of you this morning to to bear with me as I attempt to turn what I thought would be a snack into something that's going to be a little bit more nourishing to the body. Before we get to the two verses that I really want to share with you this morning, though, I do need to go back. We do need to go back and get a little bit of the historical facts uh, of the story that lead up to this prophecy. So hopefully you can understand why I was drawn there. Uh, the last couple of weeks, to help me answer this question that I was wrestling with. What should I be looking forward to at Christmas time? So turn with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 1, and we'll start in verse 5. This is um, the birth of John the Baptist being foretold. Luke writes, In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abia. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Now, I want to stop real quick just right there take a little bit of a break before we go any further and I want to look back real quick at verse 5 and verses 8 and 9 because I think that it's uh, important to note the significance of what is about to take place here where, where Zechariah is going. First we read in Luke uh, chapter 1 verse 5 that Zechariah, a priest by birth because he was a Levite and a descendant of Aaron was of the division of Abia. Now the division is not so important what division it is but it's important to note that there are divisions here. We're told in First Chronicles chapter 24 that King David divided up the Levites into 24 orders, which Abia, this one that, that Zechariah descended from, was the eighth order. But he did that because there were so many priests. There was a glut of priests. And because of the division, each order would perform the priestly duties at the tabernacle only twice a year. It would happen for a week at a time from Sabbath to Sabbath, And the duties to be performed by each of the priests who were serving at the tabernacle during the week were chosen by Lot, as Luke tells us here. So in verse 9, when Luke tells us that Zechariah was chosen by Lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense, we need to understand that this is a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for him. Okay, this is something that is very, very important. The priest that was chosen by Lot to burn the incense was to remove the ashes from the former service, and he was to bring in and place on the golden altar a pan filled with hot burning coals that were taken from the altar of burnt offerings. Here we've been talking about these burnt offerings in Leviticus for several weeks and, and the, the ritual behind these sacrifices that are, that are being done. And we read here that Zechariah is in the temple and he's about to burn incense. He takes the burnt offerings, the coals from the burnt offerings, and he sprinkles incense over the hot coals And while the smoke ascends from it, he makes intercessory intercessory prayer for the people. This was the most distinguished part of the morning and evening worship uh, services. Many priests would go their entire lives and never be chosen by lot to enter into the temple of the Lord and burn incense and offer up these intercessory prayers on behalf of the people. So knowing that this, was, this opportunity was most likely the highlight of, of Zechariah's priestly career, then I want to read on. I just wanted to give a little bit of uh, background there. So we'll start in, in chapter 10 and read through verse 25. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. Who stands in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service had ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. When we look back at, at Gabriel's response to Zachariah, uh, Zachariah's fear in verse 13, at first I wondered, why in the world would Zachariah question an answered prayer? I, I was thinking that, that maybe he and Elizabeth had been praying for a son, but, you know, I don't think that that's what Gabriel is, is speaking of. I believe that Zachariah's intercessory prayer that was being lifted up at that moment had been heard by God and Gabriel was saying that that had been answered. So maybe that would explain why Zachariah, this man described by Luke as being righteous before God and walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord, would question this angel of the Lord that it appeared to him during this time of intercessory prayer about he and Elizabeth having a child. But he did question it. And because of that, he struck mute. And he's unable to share this good news of the way prophecy is about to be fulfilled and the people redeemed. Now after we read of this answered prayer and the foretelling of John, uh, the birth of John the Baptist, Luke continues on in chapter 1 and he foretells uh, the birth of Jesus. He tells us how Mary visits Elizabeth and in that we see that That John the Baptist, who is filled with the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb, leaps for joy at the sound of Mary's voice in that story. And then we we read Mary's song. But then, I want to skip all that, and I want to skip to where the rest of the story picks up. Turn over to verse 57, and we'll read now about the birth of John the Baptist. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth. 60 and 63, we're told that the child's name will be John, as, as was the instruction of Gabriel in verse 13. The name John translates to God has graciously given. Now many people may think that Zechariah and Elizabeth were told to name this child John because the Lord had graciously given this child to the once barren Elizabeth and to the elderly Zechariah, uh, they, uh, they were given this son But I don't think that's the case at all. That son, John, was to be the announcement to the world that God had graciously given Himself to His people. And after the announcement of the name given to their son, in verse 64, we start setting the stage for what I had been looking for in order to answer the question that I had been struggling with. In verse 64, we read that after nine months or over nine months of being mute, Zachariah's mouth was open and his tongue was loosed and he began to speak in praise of or blessing God. This is the thing that attracted me to the story to answer this question of what I or what we should be looking forward to or towards during this Christmas story or during this Christmas time. It wasn't about a nativity story like you see at the movie theater. It's not about a nativity scene. It's not about a babe in a manger, it's about something so much more than that. So Zechariah has been unable to speak for nine months now, or over nine months, and I know that he had to just be busting at the seams to share what the angel of the Lord had revealed to him in the tabernacle over nine months earlier. During this nine-month period, he's been unable to share God's good news, and I'm sure that he was just about ready to explode when God finally opened his mouth and loosened his tongue so that Zechariah could do something that hadn't been done for over 400 years. Something that hadn't been done since Malachi last prophesied. When he said, but for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings and you will go forth and skip about like calves from the stall. When I read that, that reminded me so much I've been last week talking about Jacob, Jacob, on this side of the cross, how he that walk of wonder turned to a skip of wonder and joy. When I read this prophecy that tells us that we're going to go forth and skip about like calves from the stall. And then we can see that the last thing in the Old Testament... Uh, In in Malachi's prophecy in in chapter 4 verse 6 is the same thing that is proclaimed to Zechariah by the angel Gabriel when Gabriel tells Zechariah that the Lord God will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared so that the Lord God will not come and smite the land with a curse. Now that's those two things that are being woven together but it's the same message. And then in verse 67, we get to hear what Zechariah has been waiting all this time to say that he speaks in praise of or in blessing uh, God, which is what the ESV says. So read with me his prophecy. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people Zechariah has been waiting for all this time to get this out. And when he finally speaks, he blurts out a mouthful in this prophecy. First, he tells us that the Lord God of Israel has visited His people and has accomplished redemption for His people. He tells us that the Lord God has raised up a horn of salvation for His people from the house of David. He reminds us that the Lord God of Israel is fulfilling the promises of old. The promises that have been spoken by the prophets of the Old Testament. And now he has provided salvation from the hand of our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. He tells us that his son John will be called a prophet of the Most High and will go before the Lord to prepare his way and to give knowledge to the people of the salvation and the forgiveness of sins. And he tells us that because of the tender mercy of God, the sunrise from on high will visit us and will shine on those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. When you read that, when you read that, that the, sun, the sunrise from on high will visit us and will shine on those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, it, it reminds me so much of John chapter 1 and John chapter 3, where we're told about the light of the world coming into the, uh, in, into the world and, and lighting these dark places. In his prophecy, Zechariah tells us exactly what he's looking forward to. And as I look back at each of these things, I ask myself the question, are these the things that I look forward to at Christmas time? As I started to consider this question, I realized that I could and I probably should look at each of these things laid out in Zachariah's prophecy, but in the interest of time and because of the way that God used Ben's message last week to reveal to me why he had me in Luke chapter 1, preparing for this week, I, I wanted to share with you this morning some very specific uh, verses, this revelation that, that God uh, gave me last week and point you to just one of the things in this prophecy uh, that spoke to me answering that question that I had. Before I point you to the verses though, and some of you may already know where I'm going with this, I, I want to touch on the part of Ben's message last week that opened my eyes and, and revealed to me why God had me in Luke chapter 1. And why I was wrestling with this question while we were in Leviticus and Hebrews and in John. If you weren't here last week, on your way out, pick up a CD of last week's message so you can hear this story. Or go online to the website and listen to the, to the sermon from last week online. But I'll give you a synopsis last week of where Ben was that, that illuminated this thing to me. As he was sharing this story of Jacob, or, or Jacob as, as he uh, said, making... His journey to the tabernacle to offer this sin offering for his unintentional sin. And after having his wife Sarah check him to make sure that he was clean and that he didn't have any open sores or a runny nose or a gecko on his back, he takes this unblemished bull and he starts this walk, this several mile walk from his camp to the tabernacle. And he passes the camps of Yosef and Yahshua and ben I wanted to put myself in there, but I thought I would sound like Scooby-Doo saying referee, you know, but he's passing these camps with his head ducked in shame as they look on and they see, they know where he's going and why he's going there. And then he shared how Jacob, or Jacob, once at the tabernacle, he slayed the bull before the Lord as a substitute for his sin, all the while hoping that the priests were doing everything correctly. And then he returned home in silence and wonder. Remember the wonder that he talked about? I wonder if I'm right with God now. I wonder if I need to go back. I wonder when I'm going to mess up again. I wonder if I did it right. or I wonder if that sacrifice, if that bull was acceptable to the Lord. He returns to his house in fear. In fear that his offering was not enough and that it wasn't perfect. And of course, we know it wasn't. It wasn't enough and it wasn't perfect. But remember last week, as we turned to Hebrews to find out that this this sacrifice was not enough and that it wasn't perfect, and we take Jacob out of the Old Testament and we place him on this side of the cross, his walk of wonder turned into that skip of wonder and joy and worship. Because there was no more fear that the sacrifice was not enough or that it wasn't perfect because God's sacrifice of Christ was perfect and is perfect. And it was enough to satisfy his wrath towards Jacob and towards me and towards you. Because of that, Jacob could now serve God without fear. That's what Zechariah prophesied in verse 74 and 75 to grant us that we, being rescued from the hand of our enemies, we've been rescued from sin, so that we might serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Now that was a real long way to go to share just two small verses. But I felt like that we had to build up to that to know that Zachariah is waiting all this time to blurt this thing out. It's this lack of fear. And this service that I wanted to explore this morning and I wanted to share with you this morning because being able to serve the Lord without fear is what we should be looking forward to. That's what we should be turning our focus and our thoughts to during this time of the year. That's what we should be turning our thoughts and our focus to every day of the year. You remember in Hebrews last week, Ben touched on it, Hebrews nine fourteen when he was explaining that we no longer have fear because of our clean conscience, it reads, How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit, offered Himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works? Why? To serve the living God. We can look at the next page at Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 19, and we can see again this lack of fear. For we now have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful." And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Again, we can draw near to the Lord with a sincere heart full of assurance of faith because our hearts have been sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. Now we can serve Him without fear. That's the reason for our salvation. God delivering us from sin is really no different than his delivery of Israel from slavery in Egypt to Pharaoh. Exodus chapter 7 verse 16 tells us that God had a reason for delivering his people out of Egypt when he told Moses, go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Why? So they can serve me in the wilderness. We've been set free from the bondage of sin and have become captives to Christ and righteousness to serve Him. So what is this service? That's what we should be looking forward to during this time of year, during this season. It's not all the, the hustle and bustle of the gift finding and the caroling and the white elephant gifts and the office parties and stuffing our faces It should be service to Him because we can serve Him without fear. Ephesians chapter 4 tells us that Christ gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints for the work of service. To build up the body of Christ until we attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ that service 2nd Corinthians chapter 3 tells us that we are ministers of a new covenant and it tells us that we have obtained confidence through Christ towards God who makes us adequate as servants of this new covenant and then, if you've been with us any length of time it's actually it's gonna have to be a long period of time to remember back in John chapter 6, verse 29, where Jesus answers that question, what shall we do so that we may work the works of God? He answers that question by saying, this is the work of God, that you believe in Him and whom He is sent. And then I couldn't leave out Romans chapter 12. You look at the entirety of, of Romans chapter 12, and this talks about our dedicated service. Okay, but verses 1 and 2 really specifically tell us and offer up uh, what this service is. Paul writes, I appeal, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship, or your spiritual act of service. Do not, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. My prayer this week has been that somehow, some way, I would be able to clearly communicate to you what was revealed to me through this prophecy in light of where we've been for months. Here we've been in Leviticus, and we've seen the offerings, we've been in Hebrews, we've been in John, and I didn't understand why in the world was I in Luke chapter 1. We haven't had any Advent messages here at Cross Point leading up to Christmas. We don't gear our Sunday school classes towards a particular Christmas message. And the neat thing is, is that in that, we discover that the Christmas message is already in what's being preached and what's being taught. That was one of the things that I talked to Scott with uh, before this service. I told him, I want you to get up there and do a bunch of Christmas music. Did y'all like that this morning? Worship was good. That's what Christmas is about. It's not the jingle bells and it's not even really away in a manger. It's about what we do with that gift that God has given us. The revelation should come to us that it's not about that babe in a manger. It's not about just about God's gift to mankind. Zachariah's prophecy should change our thinking about this Christmas message so that we start asking the question, why has God given us this gift? And what should our response to that gift be? The answers to those questions should be what I and what you are focusing on as we look forward to this Christmas season. And in fact, every other day of the year. Zachariah looked forward to being able to serve God without fear and holiness and righteousness all the days of his life. Not just during a season, just as we should. Not because we are holy and righteous, but because Christ is holy and righteous. This Christmas season... As we look forward to those things that Zachariah looked forward to, I wonder if maybe our message expands from wrapping up the gospel in a nutshell by sharing John 3.16 to maybe sharing John 3.16, Luke 1, 74 and 75. What would that sound like? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So that we might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Man, I, I hope, I hope that's been my prayer that I could get what was in my gut and in my heart and in my head and that I could spew it out this morning in a manner that you all could, that you could digest and that you could comprehend. I, I, I pray that God has answered that prayer this morning. I pray that, that through this, that as you go through this Christmas season and you get tied up in the hustle and the bustle of what's going on and the long lines and the gift-giving and the office parties and the gorging ourselves in, in, in the things that we do during this time of year, that you'll take a moment and you'll look back to this prophecy and remind yourselves that this is somebody who was looking forward at Christmas time to what that time meant? That right there to me is a clue to where we should be and where, where we should be focusing our attention this time of year and again every day of our lives. Y'all pray with me. Father, we just, uh, first we come before you, Father, and we offer up um, this time as that incense, Father, the sweet aroma. And Father, I just ask that, um, that you accepted it as what it was meant for. Father, I ask that the seed that has been broadcast today would find fertile soil. And Father, that uh, what may have been confusion for me, uh, Father, has been clarified for this people. Father, I pray that, that um, my fear that, that this message this morning would lack nourishment. Uh, Father, that 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 would be removed, Father, and that you would nourish this body uh, through this message. And Father, what I really pray for is that we would all seek to serve you without fear because of the salvation that you have offered us, because of the gift that you have given us, because at this time of year we celebrate the birth of Christ, this gift that you have given to man, Father, I pray that we will ask the question, what is it that we are to do with this gift? And I pray that we will respond in service to you all the days of our life. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to serve you without fear. And we know that that opportunity has come at a very precious and costly price. We know that it came at the cost of your son. Father, for that, we thank you and we praise you. And it's in his holy name In sufficient name we pray, Amen. amen.